Hello and welcome to Corbett's Comments. I'm Dr. Otis Corbett and I invite you to come along with me as I share biblical exposition and commentary. I truly believe that God's Word is one of our greatest helps as we live for Him in the world today. And so like the psalmist, let us agree to hide His Word in our hearts that we may not sin against Him. Hello, I'm Otis Corbett. And today I want to share a word about service as I comment on scriptures from Isaiah chapter 49. This comes from a message I preached at Liberty Home Baptist Church on August 28, 2022. We want to focus on the church today because, again, during the recent years, the church has, has, been, has been going through a time of struggle. The church has been going through a time of, of challenge. And so this morning, what I want us to do is look at Isaiah chapter 49 and, and reset our mindset just a little bit, knowing that in times past, particularly in Alabama, particularly in the southern states, particularly amongst Baptists, we saw a great deal of success. We saw a great deal of growth. We saw a great deal of things happening amongst us. And, and, and we've gone through a time of challenge. We've gone through a time where there's been some pullback in some areas. And we need to reset our mind about what our calling is and our essential calling as Christians and as the church. And, and what I want us to say today, or what I want to assert today, is one of our primary callings as the church, one of our primary callings as Christians is the calling to service. The calling to service. And we see that in Isaiah chapter 49, beginning in verse 1. Listen, O coastlands, to me, and take heed, you peoples, from afar. The Lord has called me from, my, from the womb, from the matrix of my mother. He has made mention of my name. He has made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand he has hidden me and made me a polished shaft. In his quiver he has hidden me. He said to me, you are my servant, O Israel, in whom I will be glorified. And then I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing and in vain. Yet surely my just reward is with the Lord and my work with God. And now the Lord says, who formed me from the womb to be a servant, to bring Jacob back to him so that Israel is gathered to him. For I shall be glorious in the eyes of the Lord, and my God shall be my strength. Indeed, he says, it is too small a thing that you should be my servant, to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. I will also give you as a, as a light to the Gentiles that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. Thus says the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel to their Holy One, to him whom man despises, to him whom the nation abhors, to the servant of rulers. Kings shall 
see and arise. Princes also shall worship because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel. It, he has chosen you. Father, bless us now as we look at this passage of Scripture and others as we share your word today. Help us to see how you have called us to serve and in particularly, Father, how we have called to serve you and challenge us with your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. As, uh, as we begin this message today, I, the, the truth of the matter is sometimes there are people whom you expect to help you and they wind up doing the opposite thing. So Paul Harvey told a story of a man who was a traveling salesman. He traveled a lot. And uh, just about every time he was gone on a business trip, something happened at his home. He'd have a burglary or something would be stolen from his lawn. And then one day, the theft stopped. You see, his travel agent had been arrested for theft. See, the travel agent knew when he was gone. So uh, as, a, as an aside, be careful what you put on Facebook. I always, when I'm traveling, if I put something on Facebook about traveling, I do it after I come back home. I don't do it while I'm gone. Don't want to advertise. But because sometimes the people that maybe you're friends with on Facebook, uh, maybe there's someone like this travel agent who, who does something to you when your back is turned. But that's not our call as the church. That was not Israel's call as the people of God. The, the call that God placed upon the life of Israel, the call that God has placed upon the church, the call that God has placed upon us as individual Christians is the call to be a servant. It is a call to service, not to harm, not to be an overlord, but to be a servant and to be in service. So let's look at this passage of Scripture and, and, and explore what I mean by that. The first thing that we see here is what I call the appointment of the servant. Verse 5 is particularly says this. It says, And now the Lord says, who formed me from the womb, to be his servant. People don't usually seek to be servants. In fact, in the Bible, most of the people who were servants were there because of some unfortunate incident. Either they were captured in war or uh, they were born into service or, or maybe they had to sell themselves into slavery because of their debts. And service is not glamorous. It's not something that many people see, seek after. There's a well. There's an old saying in brotherhood back in the back back when you had big a lot of brotherhood meetings. Never miss a brotherhood meeting during nomination month. As a deacon told me once, if you snooze, you lose. And very often, what happens is you get chosen for something when you're not there, because you see, no one wants to be the treasurer. No one wants to be the uh, the master of ceremonies. No one wants to find the speaker for next month's meeting. No one wants, I say no one, but 
people are reluctant. They're like that child in school who's hiding behind his person in front of him, hoping that the teacher doesn't call him to ask a question, you know? That's how we are sometimes. But God calls servants. If you look at the the, the scriptures, if you look at the history, God calls people to be servants. He called Abraham. He said, Abraham, I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing to the world. I've called you out because I have a work for you to do, and that is to be a blessing to the world. Isaiah, Jeremiah. Jeremiah was called to be a prophet. He was called to serve God, and, and Jeremiah didn't really want to be a prophet. If you look at the word of what Jeremiah shares, and if you, it's almost like he would tell, tell you today, if you could be anything else but a, a prophet for the Lord, be, be that. Uh, many times you've heard a uh, it said to young preachers, preachers, if you, young preacher, young, young preacher, if you can do anything else but preach for the Lord, you need to do that because it's a role of service. He called the twelve disciples to be his servants. He called Israel to be his servant, and he's called the church to be his servants. And when God calls. He expects you to answer. Now, in times past, if someone called my house or if someone called my phone, I answered it every time. I'm sorry I don't do that anymore. Uh, the, the spam calls have gotten so bad. Uh, there's, a, there's, a spam, there's, a, there's a scam going around where they will call your house and pretend to be from Amazon. Have you had these calls? They pretend to be from Amazon, and they say someone's trying to charge something to your account. Would you call this number? And, well, it's not really Amazon. It's a scam. But Friday afternoon at my house, they called my house 10 times. And I never would answer the phone and just it just rang and, and I'd let it go to answer. Apparently, they wait until you answer before they stop calling because my wife actually answered it. And then they stopped calling us. But it's a, it, but, but God, he expects you to answer when God calls because when you call on God, you know what he does? He always answers. Now, Isaiah knew that he had been called as a servant from the womb. Now, in today's world, you know, we just had the Supreme Court case that overturned Roe v. Wade, and that is a wonderful thing for justice. Just to remind you, however, it's a great responsibility for the church to help people now that that uh, option, that terrible option of abortion, probably will no longer be available, at least in this state. It's a requirement for us to be servants to those folks. There's an old saying, you can run, but you can't hide. Ask Jonah. Jonah did not want to do what God asked him to do. In fact, what we don't really think about with Jonah is this. Jonah was sent from the nation of Israel to Assyria. He was sent to the Assyrians. He was sent up there to preach the gospel, and they were primed for revival, but Jonah didn't know that. And Jonah hated the Assyrians. He didn't want to go to the Assyrians, and he tried to go the opposite direction. But see, God sent him to the Assyrians anyway, and when he walked through the, their capital and started preaching, all he said was, repent, because the day of the Lord is at hand. It was the 
most, I mean, it's hardly a sermon, brother. It was hardly a sermon. He didn't put any effort into that message, but they had a revival. And because of that revival, the nation of Israel had a whole generation more time to repent, which they wasted. And in 722, the Assyrians came in and they took over the northern kingdom and carried them off into captivity, and they've never been seen since. God's call to us is to be in a servant. Our appointment as we are answering God's call is the appointment to be a, a servant. Now, being a servant, though, does not mean that we don't have authority. In fact, the servant does have authority. Look at verse 5 again. And now the Lord says, Who formed me from the womb to be a servant, to bring Jacob back to him, so that Israel is gathered to him? For I shall be glorious in the eyes of the Lord, and my God shall be my strength. Indeed, he says, it is too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. I will also give you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. Just because we are servants does not mean we don't have authority. Individually, we are no one in particular. My daddy was a heavy truck mechanic and my mother was a nurse. Jerry's mom was a teacher and her dad was in the army. Uh, we're not of anybody of importance. We are no one of any particular reputation. But the issue is not whether we have money or power or authority. The issue is, what about the one we serve? We serve a mighty God. We serve the creator of everything that ever was and ever will be. We are servants of the one who has all authority and has all power. And so we can exert great authority in the name of our God. And what does that authority entail? That authority is to speak for the master. What, what he's saying here is this. You're my servant, and Jacob is off doing something that he ought not to do. Jacob being, being Israel, being Judah, being the people of God. So I'm going to send you to tell him to straighten up. Have you ever heard of an older brother, an older sister being sent out to find the younger brother and younger sister and drag them home? Sometimes by the ear. <laughs> Mama says it's time to come home. Daddy says it's time to come home. That older brother, that older sister has no authority over that younger brother, that younger sister. But the authority that, that they have comes from their father, comes from their mother. And so does our authority. We have the authority to go into the world and to share the gospel. What he said here was, we are his salvation to the Gentiles. Now that is impressive. That is awe-inspiring. We have a tremendous authority. Our master is God, and we represent him. Our master has authority, and we represent that authority. When we were in Africa, 
one time our housekeeper just told off our watchman. Now, in Africa, you got to understand, it takes longer to live, okay? Everything takes longer to do. And so it was very common for, for, and it is still very common, for missionaries to be able to focus on their work to pay someone to keep the house, to do the laundry, because there's no laundry machines in Africa where we were. There may be now. That was a few years ago. Uh, there were no dryers in Africa. You can't just throw your clothes in the washing machine, turn it on, and, and then in, in an hour it's done. No, it takes longer than that. But So our housekeeper worked for us. And then, of course, because, again, in Africa, people, there's not the police forces that we have here and, and the security we have here. You have a watchman. And one day, our watchman did something that he shouldn't have done, and our housekeeper just chewed him up one side and down the other. Now, why was that? Well, in that society, a woman shouldn't be able to do that to a man. But that woman was representing us. She was taking care of us. She had our back, and she was telling that watchman what for. And he deserved it. He straightened up. It was fine. But she had the authority of her employer, and we have the authority of the almighty God of the universe. So what is our assignment? What is our assignment as servants? Well, let's look at verse 9. Verse 9 of our scripture says that you may say to the prisoners, go forth. To those who are in darkness, show yourselves. They shall feed along the roads, and their pasture shall be on the desolate heights. They shall neither hung, hunger nor thirst, neither heat nor sun shall strike them, for he who has mercy on them will lead them. Even by the springs of water, he will guide them. The assignment of a, of a servant is to do the master's work for the master. Again, uh, when we were in Africa, we had a housekeeper and we had a watchman. And the assignment of the housekeeper was to keep the house, to keep the house clean, she was to do the laundry, to, to make some, some food for us. The assignment for the watchman was to make sure that the gates were closed and that uh, uh, no one came in in the night and took things out of our compound. It was to take care of the master's business, and it was to be the hands and feet of the master. The Brits have a saying, why have a dog and bark yourself? Right? You buy a dog, so they'll bark so that you don't have to be awake all hours of the night. You buy a dog so that they can lay on the front porch and keep people from breaking in the front. One day we had we had dogs that uh, we, we, we've now pinned them up in, in a different place, but we had some dogs that we let to roam around our house. We live up in Rose Hill out in the middle of the country. We're two, 200 yards off the road, and, and uh, uh, the poor Fed, Fed Express driver, Bless, bless her heart. She came down and our dogs were lying on the front porch and she turned around and left. Of course, I told my wife, you can't be a FedEx driver in, in Alabama if you're afraid of dogs. But still, the dogs were there to protect their property and they did. Unfortunately, they protected it from the FedEx woman instead of, instead of other people. So what did God expect Isaiah to do? He expected Isaiah to be his hands and his feet. He expected Isaiah to be someone who would help those in need. He talked about folks who are in uh, 
prisoners to go forth and those who are darkness to basically have light, to feed those who don't have anything to eat, and, and then to have mercy on those who need to have mercy and to guide them by the springs of water. What does he expect us to do? He expects us to do the same thing. He expects us to help people who have needs. And we're going to talk about those needs here in a minute. But he expects us to do his work, to uh, build up believers. He expects us to witness to the lost. He expects us to uh, minister to those people in need. He expects us to be the hands and feet of Jesus on the earth. Now, we know that the scriptures use many, many different word pictures. And one of them is that the church is the bride of Christ. But another word picture is that the church is the body of Christ. Now, what does that mean? That means that we are his body on the earth today. We are his hands and his feet. Just like in the Bible, a master expected the servants to do the work that the master cared about, so does Jesus expect us to do the work that he cares about. He expects us to be about the master's business. So we have an appointment to be servants. And nobody really wants to be a servant, not humanly, and particularly not Americans. You know, we, we decided not to be servants of a king a long time ago. And, and, and so for us here in the United States, the idea of being a servant sometimes is anathema to our national DNA. But we have an appointment as servants. We also have authority as servants. We represent the almighty King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We have an assignment to do the work that the master assigns us to do. That the scriptures tell us, Jesus said in, in, the, in the parables, he said the cares of a, of a servant should be the cares of the master. If a servant is going to serve the master well, they need to care about what the master cares about. Well, what are the things that the master cares about? What should we be accomplishing as servants of God? Well, turn with me to Matthew 25. Now, we know Jesus said that they're the two or the law can be summed up in two statements. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And the second is like unto it, he said, love your neighbor as yourself. And then he gave the parable of the Good Samaritan to describe how we are to love our neighbor. He also said this in Matthew 25. Look, verse 31, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory and all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. That hurts because I raised, we have goats at our house. 
we have goats. We, we love our goats. So, but it hurts me every time I read that, that he's going to divide the sheep from the goats. It just, I know that's silly, but sort of hurts me. But he's, he's right. He's right. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when do we see you hungry and thirsty? Or hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink. And when did we see you a stranger and take you in, or naked and clothe you? And when do we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these my brethren, you did it unto me. What Jesus was saying is in his day there were people around him that were hurting. They were in prison. They were hungry. They were naked. They were thirsty. Well, I will say to you, certainly after COVID-19, we obviously see that there are people around us who are hurting as well. People who've lost loved ones too soon because of COVID. People who uh, have marriages that are falling apart. That's a different kind of hurt. We've already talked about Roe versus Wade and the need to help our unwed mothers and those who have uh, uh, unexpected pregnancy. But there are others who are struggling too. Those who can't read and therefore they can't get education and therefore they can't find a, a good job. Those who don't know how to raise their children are the grandparents that are raising the children that their children couldn't raise. Those are all hurting. Those who are in jail, those who are in the hospital, those who are in nursing homes, those with disabilities, those who have no friends. There are all kinds of people who are hurting around us. And Jesus said, as my servants, you are to love them with the love of the Lord. And so we need to do what we can for hurting people in the name of Jesus, okay? Sometimes what we need to do is actually feed them physical food and give them physical water. You know, there is a saying that goes like this. Give a man a fish and you can feed him for today. Teach him to fish and you can feed him for the rest of his life. And that is very true. Sometimes people do need help today, but they also need help for the future. So just recently, as an example, uh, we talked about our food distribution program that we've been doing for 36 years. We've been giving people fish, quote unquote, for 36 years, and we're glad to do it. But I'm also glad that recently we started the Christian Women's Job Corps. Actually, when I say we, I want to say Shirley Smith and Judy Phillips, because they're the one that, that got the train. They're the ones that had the vision. They're the ones that are putting that to work. And what they're doing through the Christian Women's Job Corps is teaching women, in this case, to fish. In other words, they're giving them life skills and they're helping them to overcome 
issues in their life so that they won't wind up in the situation where they are hurting by their own mistakes. But here's the thing. We can help people on this earth, and we should. But you know what? There's a world coming that there's only one thing that will help any of us. See, we can help people today, and we can help people for the rest of their physical life. But what we need to realize is people don't only need bread and water, physical bread and physical water, but those people need the bread of life and they need the living water. And the best thing that we can do for anybody is to help them become saved, help them see Jesus Christ as their Savior, Lord, help them to bow their knee. Jesus said, go into the world and make disciples of all nations. And so when we, we see ourselves as servants of God, there are two dimensions of that. Yes, we need to be involved in the here and now. We can't ignore the here and now. In the past years, in the past decades, evangelicals, Baptists, fundamentalists, whoever you want to call us, we focus on the here and now, and we, uh, excuse me, the, um, the in the sweet by and by, and we forgot to focus on the here and now. But there are some other groups out there. I won't name them because we're not part of them, and I don't, you know, I, I, I can talk about us because we're family. I'm not going to talk about other people. But there are other groups out there that focused on the here and now so much that they forgot about the in the sweet by and by. And, you know, when my wife has a choice between product A and product B, you know what she does? She takes them both. I'm sorry, baby. I do have to go home with her. <laughs> Forgive me. But here's the thing. That's God's choice also. He sends us out as servants to help people find the here and now, as well as to find abundant life in the hereafter. Jesus loves hurting people. Do we? Jesus helped hurting people. Do we? Now, we've talked about the appointment to be a servant and the authority of a servant, and we've talked about our actions as servants being the feet and the hands of Jesus. What about the acclamation? What about our reward? Let's turn back to Isaiah chapter 49. And this is what sometimes we say in service to the Lord. Sometimes we say, I have labored in vain. I have my, spent my strength for nothing and in vain. But then Isaiah inspired by the Holy Spirit, said this, Yet surely my just reward is with the Lord, and my work is with God. Whom should we try to please? We should try to please our, our Lord. Who will give us our reward? Our God 
will give us our reward. I thought it was very interesting today that one of the songs that was sung, in fact, the very last hymn that we sang, unplanned by me or anyone else, was hymn 615, To the Work. To the work, to the work, we are servants of God. Let us follow the path that our master has trod. With the balm of his counsel, our strength to renew. Let us do with our might what our hands find to do. To the work, to the work, let the hungry be fed. To the fountain of life, let the weary be led. He wants both. He wants the here and now and the hereafter. In the cross and its banner, our glory shall be while we herald the tidings, salvation is free. Father, as we serve you here, let us have the true attitude of service. Let us kneel before you and allow you to be our master and our Lord. Your scriptures tell us that Someday, either on heaven and earth, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Father, as your people, let us make that confession here. Let us be the hands and feet of our Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Before I go, let me share my new book with you. Seminary taught me to be a pastor, but the Army taught me to be a leader. I would like to share how God melded those two skill sets in my new book, Decently and in Order. It's available now on Amazon in paperback and on Kindle. If you want to know more about effectively leading teams and events, check out Decently and in Order on Amazon.com. I believe you will find it eye-opening and helpful. That's Decently and in Order by Otis Corbett. Thanks for taking a look. for listening. I'll be back soon to comment on more scripture that we can consider together to help us in our everyday lives. Every blessing. I'm Dr. Otis Corbett.